Well, hello, and welcome to the RCC Podcast. We are so glad you chose to join us today. It is our hope that you are inspired, challenged, and learn something new. Enjoy the message. Morning. If you have a Bible, go ahead and open it up to 1 Samuel chapter 18. We're going to start there. We've got two other passages in addition to that that we're going to look at this morning as we continue on with our series, You Are Not the King. It's a study of 1 Samuel. We're uh, starting in the back of the book and working our way to the beginning of the book. Uh, If you haven't heard the first two sermons, you can go online and watch them or you can uh, subscribe to the podcast. That way you can get caught up uh, so you know what we're talking about when we get here on Sunday. Uh, As we're studying through this, we're looking at the three main characters of the book of 1 Samuel. There's Samuel himself, a prophet priest. There's Saul, the first king of Israel. And then there's David, who's the second king of Israel, though not of the same line. As Saul. And as we're doing this, uh, we're not just studying the characters and seeing the practical advice that is there to learn. That's not a bad thing to do. The Bible is a good book, there's wisdom in it. And so we're doing that. But more importantly, what we're doing uh, is we're surrendering this Old Testament text to what Jesus teaches us in John chapter 5, which is that all of the Old Testament bears witness about Jesus, that ultimately what the Old Testament is doing is foreshadowing the person of Jesus and teaching us about his gospel. And so that's what we're really doing uh, as we see this text. And that's what uh, takes the text from just a book, like any other book, uh, to being the word of God. And so we'll see that again this morning. This morning, what we're talking about is gospel friendship. What does gospel friendship look like? And what does a gospel friend do? Said another way, who is a gospel friend and what does a gospel friend do? And then uh, lastly, how do we become a gospel friend? So we'll see that in our text this morning. We're going to see David and Jonathan, who are perhaps the most celebrated friendship in all of Scripture. And the Bible says much about friendship. In fact, at the very beginning of the Bible, the first problem that's ever created happens before sin enters into the world. And the problem is friendship or a lack of it. And so God sees Adam all alone in the garden. He says, you have everything, Adam. You've got work and you have purpose and you have a relationship with me. And sin hasn't destroyed anything. But one thing Adam lacked, a friend. So God made him one, Eve. Now in that, we also see the foundation of marriage and the friendship that we're primarily looking at today is a same gender friendship. So, uh, you know, two guys being friends or three guys or whatever, two girls, three girls, whatever it might be. Uh, But even in this text, and even as we teach this morning, kind of underneath it, for those of us who are married or want to be married someday, there's some lessons for our marriage as well. Because at the heart of the first marriage and at the heart of biblical marriage is friendship, companionship. And sometimes what we think is wrong with our marriage isn't what's actually wrong with our marriage. What's wrong with our marriage is that we've missed the essence of marriage, friendship, companionship. So we're going to see that in this text as well. Up until this point in David's life, now we haven't looked at that yet because we're going in reverse, but up until this point in David's life, uh, his life is primarily depicted as lonely. He's uh, alone in the field. He's forgotten by his father. 
He um, uh, travels to, uh, to the battle scene by himself where he's kind of rejected by his brothers. He goes and faces Goliath on his own. I mean, up into this point, David, and it seems like the writer wants us to see David as alone. But then all of that changes in a moment with a friend. Now, we may have had seasons in our lives that feel very alone, lonely times, and, and it's also possible that all of life can be going really, really well. Work or career uh, or, uh, you know, fill in the blank, your hobby, your sport. And everything out there is good. When you don't have somebody to share it with, when you don't have good friendships, you know, it seems like all of that out there doesn't really mean that much. And I think the reverse is true. A lot of things can be spiraling out of control, your health, whatever it might be. But when you have good friends, it's easier to, to weather the storm. And so here we see in the beginning of the most celebrated friendship in the scriptures, David and Jonathan. And from this moment on, one friend changes the course of David's life. There is no David as we know David today without Jonathan in his life. And after David and Jonathan become friends, the rest of David's life, and it's like the author wants us to see this, is not alone. It's not loneliness. Now, there was much that David learned in his loneliness. We saw, we see this in the Psalms. Read through them. Many of these uh, Psalms come out of David's loneliness. And in the lonely season, we ought to pour into God. I mean, there are times when, when it might feel like God is your only friend and he speaks to us in those moments and he, and he is with us. Uh, but we see in, in Genesis 2, in a perfect world, God said, you still need a friend. So this need for human friendship. After this, David's life is defined by the people that are around him. The men who come to him in the, in the cave of Adullam in chapter 22. Uh, his mighty men, who will be with him as his kingdom rises. And there's a listing of David's cabinet. So-and-so was this and this and this and this. And then it says, and he, this guy, was the king's friend. Makes it into his cabinet listing. There's a, another time in David's life, pretty low moment. His son is rebelling against him and trying to overthrow him and take over the kingdom. Pretty bad moment. Said his friend went to advocate for him. From the moment David meets Jonathan, his relational world changes. And the author wants us to see how David is now surrounded by people after this friendship is formed. So what's at the heart of this friendship? What's the nature of it? Well, the text shows us really clearly who a gospel friend is. It starts off like this. As soon as he had finished speaking, he there is David. As soon as David had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Deep words. C.S. Lewis points out that friendship starts when you look at somebody else and say, oh, you too? That the first thing we typically share with somebody uh, is some type of external shared interest. Oh, you like Catan too? Oh, you like football too? Oh, you like this music too? And a friendship is formed. 
And that's how friendship starts. And some of us have friendships that are all built on this shared interest. And when the shared interest is not present, it's kind of awkward. Like, we can hang out together and watch football, but if there's no football, I don't know what to talk about with you. And it gets weird. So we only hang out during football season or whatever it might be. And that's how all friendship begins. It's good. There's a shared interest. But this is not the heart of friendship. It's not the friendship that we need. We need those friends, sure. But it must go deeper. This is how most relationships start. Romantic ones. A shared interest. Oh, you like this? You like whatever. For Lindsay and I, I was like, you like coffee too? Great. We can start. Then at some point, it has to go a deeper level. Shared sharing the mind. What do you think about politics? What do you think about sports? What do you think about filling? And you talk, and it takes it a, a second level. So then it's okay if the football game isn't on. We can still talk about some of these things, and, and I get to start to see into your mind and how you think. And we talk about things, and there's so many conversations and all of this. But even that eventually can leave us lacking. Some of us, this is where our marriages get to. And then they stall. We get to shared interest. Yes, we have it. Uh, or we uh, get to, or maybe you age out of your shared interest, right? Like your shared interest was running and that doesn't happen anymore. And like, well, we better figure something else out, right? Or uh, then when you get to the, the, the shared intellect or you start talking about things, but, but then even that leaves you lacking. So you have to take it to the third level. Well, what is it? Well, it's right here. The soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. But the next level of friendship is when you begin to share at the soul level. What this means scripturally here is that there's a, there's a level of transparency. The, the, uh, who's a gospel friend? A gospel friend is someone who shares at the soul level. What does this mean? It's worries, fears, Doubts, hopes, dreams. It's when you begin to really let that person in. Now you know me. Not just what I like. Not just what I think. You know me. You know what drives me. What motivates me. What I'm afraid of. What I'm hoping for. In fact, Scripture takes this so far. In Hebrews 3.13, it says, Exhort one another daily that you might not fall to the pride of sin. You're supposed to get so far with certain friends that you share even your sin with them. Why? Because in James chapter 5, it tells us, Confess your sins one to another so that you might be healed. That uh, there's a process of overcoming sin. This is how God has wired us. There's a process of overcoming sin sometimes addicted sin that some of us are in. And the reason we've never overcome it is because we've never done what James 5 has told us to do, which is to confess it to a friend and have them pray for us. That there's a healing process in that. But some of us don't have a friendship level to, and we don't have a friendship to that level. It always stops at the interest or the intellect, but it never gets down to the soul level. I can't remember what author said this. He said, what's interesting about the history of men is that when people knew men were tough, they didn't have to pretend to be. But now in our culture, when we don't have to know men are tough, in other words, we don't have to run around killing each other and killing our own food, 
When we don't know men are tough, then they have to act like it. You have David, killed a giant. The song said slayed his thousands. And he would let Jonathan know him at his soul level. His soul level. His sin, his brokenness, his hopes, and his dreams. This is the type of friendship that you were created for. And where there is no David without Jonathan, there is no what God wants you to be unless there is this friend in your life. The soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. They had every reason not to be friends. Commentators are split on whether or not they think that David or Jonathan knew that David was going to be king at this moment. Later, it's very clear that Jonathan knows. But at this point in the story, David has just killed Goliath. His stock is on the rise. Earlier in the story, he has been anointed king. As far as it's been said, you will be king. But how many people know it is unclear. If Jonathan knows it, it's relatively unclear still at this point. But we do know that David is on the rise. His stock is going through the roof. David and Jonathan could be enemies. They're both fighting for the same spot. But then the other two parts of friendship see why they're not. First, a gospel friend shares at the soul level. Do you have that? Are you afraid of it? You need it. Next verse. And Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. That's basically David was very successful. And so he said, you don't get to go back to the fields. You're coming with me to the palace. Verse three. Second thing a gospel friend is. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David. That word covenant is the same word that's used to describe marriage. uh, Although obviously there are different implications in this type of friendship. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David, a commitment, because he loved him as his own soul. A gospel friend shares at the soul level. A gospel friend, as it says in Proverbs, sticks. Sticks. Or we'll say it stays. A gospel friend stays. Friendship is not biblical friendship if it doesn't make it through the difficult season. So people say, oh, we're friends, we're friends, we're friends. Not if in the moment when it was needed most, it ended. Then if that is the case, it was not a biblical friendship. Biblical friendship, according to this text and many other, sticks. It stays. It doesn't let outside forces. It doesn't let personal breakdown. It doesn't let fill in the blank. Stop it from persevering. If there has been sharing at the soul level, then the friendship should stick, should stay. Three times, three times, Jonathan is going to make his covenant commitment of friendship to David. Each time he does it, it's more dangerous for him to do so. And it is more apparent that his commitment to David is going to cost him. Friendship void of personal cost is the only type of friendship that exists in the Bible. Friendship that has, I hope I said that right, personal cost. Friendship biblically sticks, stays. Third thing biblical friendship is, 
And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David. Whether he knew, whether he knew that David was going to be king or not in his place, Jonathan is looking at David and he's saying, take what is, he's taking of what is his and he is giving it to his friend. He gives him first his robe. Then after that, he gives him his armor, his sword, his bow, and his belt. Jonathan says, I'm going to bring you up to my level. Look at this. David, in one friendship, one friendship is going to go from the shepherd's field with shepherd's clothings and shepherd's weapons. In one friendship, he's going to go to a, a, a prince's clothing, a prince's palace, and he's going to have the arsenal of a warrior. One friendship. It's possible that you and I are one true friend away from stepping into a completely new and different season of life. One friendship. And here's the thing. Oftentimes what we do is we say, God, give me that friend. But you're not the king. Instead of saying, God, give me that friend, what we should be seeing in here is that Jonathan is much more the Christ figure in this story than David is. Instead of saying, okay, I'm David and I need to be elevated to the next level, we should be saying, God, help me be Jonathan. Help me be Jonathan to somebody. Put me in someone's life where I can share with that the soul level, where I can stick to no matter what, who I'll sacrifice for. And David went out and was successful. The longer their friendship goes, the higher David goes, the lower Jonathan goes. And yet Jonathan stays committed to the friendship. David went out, he was successful. Wherever Saul sent him, so that Saul sent him over the men of war. And this was good in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. Even Saul's own employees were looking at David and saying, yeah, we love that guy. We like seeing him successful. And the whole time, Jonathan is watching his throne, his rightful place, his birthplace, taken. And he stays committed. That is a gospel friend. Are you that? And do you have that? What does a gospel friend do then? Now that we know who a gospel friend is, what does a gospel friend do? How does that play itself out? Well, first, chapter 19 teaches us this. A gospel friend advocates for their friend. Advocates for their friend. And Saul spoke to Jonathan, his son, and to all his servants that they should kill David. Imagine your dad showing up one day and saying, I want you to kill your best friend. Why? No good reason. Just do it. But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted much in David. So Saul has grown deeply jealous of David's success. And so he looks at his son, who he knows is his best friend, and says, go kill your best friend for me. Now, Jonathan, by the way, is a brilliant figure because he's never going to disobey his father. But he's also going to stay loyal to his friend. Incredible figure. 
But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted much in David. And Jonathan told David, notice here, that after the friendship has been established, after Jonathan has shown that he's willing to share at the soul level, after he showed him, I'm going to stay, I'm committed, I'm covenanted to this. After he showed him, I'm willing to sacrifice for you. Now their friendship looks like a biblical friendship should. Don't um, uh, switch these orders around. Sometimes we want friendship so much, we have the first thing and, and we skip the shared interest level and we go right to the soul level and we freak somebody out. Friendship isn't supposed to start at the soul level. It moves. But after it gets there, now look at it. They begin to be an advocate. They be an advocate. Jonathan tells David, there's a problem. By the way, a friend tells a, pro- a friend there's a problem. There's a problem. And it's a real problem. I mean, imagine this in like 21st century America. We'd walk in there and, and Jonathan would text him. He wouldn't talk to him. He'd text him like, hey, man, um, you know, just be careful today. The king might try and kill you, right? Like we would come up, we'd send him an emoji of a spear or something that was very vague. <laughs> Didn't necessarily get the message across. A real friend looks at his friend and says, there's a problem and it's real. And it's fill in the blank. And if you don't fix it, this is what your life is going to look like. You're never going to have the relationship with your kids, your spouse. Your work's never going to be the way you want it to be. Your finances, your health, fill in the blank. It's never going to get to where you want to get it to. A friend tells a friend the truth. And a friend receives that truth. After, after these other things have been established. That's a real friend. Jonathan advocates for David by telling him the truth, but he also advocates for David by protecting him. So he tells him, hey, the king's trying to kill you, uh, but I'm going to do what I can. But in the meantime, you should probably go hide because I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to save you. Then it says, Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul. He didn't just tell him the truth. He advocated to fix the problem. Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father, and said to him, let not the king sin against his servant David, because he has not sinned against you, and because his deeds have brought good to you. So Jonathan, after telling his Uh, the truth to his friend, goes to the king and he's going to appeal to the king's sense of justice, saying, "Uh, king, father, you're the law of the land. You represent all that is supposed to be good and just. And so I'm going to appeal to your sense of justice. And the truth is, David is innocent. He has not wronged you. And for you to take vengeance against David would be unjust. And for the king to act unjustly, that means that that injustice or injustice Justice uh, is welcomed in the land. And so you're the example. And so you need, for the sake of rep- what you represent, you need to act justly. And the king says, you know what? You're right. I do. As the king, I do. And so Jonathan goes in and he advocates for David's life to the king. Now, at the beginning of this little story, David was in the palace and he was in really good standing with the king. Then the king gets mad and David gets kicked out. But then Jonathan goes and he advocates on behalf of his friend. And Saul says he will not be slain. He's, he, he stays the execution. 
He won't be killed. Jonathan calls David, and Jonathan reported to him all these things. And Jonathan, look what happens next. Jonathan looks at his friend who's been cast out of the presence of the king. And he says, come back. And he grabs David, and he says, come back now. Come back into the presence of the king. Come back into their presence. Look at the last line. And he, David, was in the presence as before. David, because of Jonathan's advocacy, his life is spared and his relationship and, in, and his, his place in the presence of the king is restored only because Jonathan advocated for him. A gospel friend advocates for their friend. What else does a gospel friend do? Gospel friend encourages their friend. Encourages their friend. David saw that Saul, that's so hard to say. David saw that Saul had come up to seek his life. David was in the wilderness of Ziph at Horesh. What's the wilderness? Well, for David, it was the actual wilderness. The wilderness is that moment in life when you can't see out of the trees. The wilderness is that moment when you feel so overcome that you have forgotten anything and everything that God has ever promised. The wilderness is when you don't think you're going to make it. It's when you're hungry, thirsty, and tired. It's when there's a drought, a drought of income, uh, the health is falling apart. The wilderness is that season when you feel alone, helpless, hopeless, and defeated. That's the wilderness. And that's where David is at. And David is down, and he is feeling very out. And notice the trajectory of the friendship. David doesn't raise his hand and say, man, I need a friend. It's not what happens. Jonathan sees that his friend is in the wilderness, and he goes to his friend. He doesn't leave him out in the wilderness, saying, figure it out on your own, or raise your hand. Let me know if you need something. No, he's a friend. He's shared at the soul level. And so he sees his friend in the wilderness and he says, I'll go to you. A gospel friend goes to his friend when his friend is in the wilderness. And there will be people who say, we're friends, right? We're friends, right? <laughs> no. No, because when I was in the wilderness, you were in the palace celebrating and you left me here alone. We're not friends. We can be something, but we're not friends. I'm going to use the word friend, not to describe the person I say hi to in Starbucks or the person that, uh, uh, whose social media posts that I like. I'm going to reserve the word friend for the person who comes out in the wilderness and does what Jonathan does here. That's a friend. Jonathan shows up, and he looks at David, and he strengthens him in the Lord. Now, this word strengthen is somewhat lost on us, but let me tell you what it means. It means he motivates him. He encourages him. He inspires him. He lifts him up, and he reminds him of some truth. He says, you're in the wilderness right now, and you think it's over. The story is done, and you becoming king was just something that was said that isn't going to be. But let me remind you not how good you are, David. He doesn't show up and say, oh, David, remember when you killed the lion and the bear and the giant? Remember all of those things and the people who used to sing to you and how cool you are? He doesn't do that. He doesn't lift him up in himself. He says he strengthens him in God. 
He showed up and he said, I'm here to inspire, motivate, and encourage you, not because of who you are, but because of who God is. And what God has promised will come to be. And the gift he has given will not be revoked. And the truth he has spoken will happen. I'm strengthening you in the Lord. Friend, a gospel friend sees his friend in the wilderness and goes to him and reminds them of God's promises. Because you will not be void of these. They will be spoken to you. The gospel friend says, when you don't have faith, I will. When you don't have strength, I will. When you're ready to quit, I'll keep you going. That's the gospel friend. Said to him, don't fear. For the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel, and I shall be next to you. He's basically saying the promise of God will happen. It will happen. That's gospel friendship. Do you have it? Are you it? gospel friendship. Each of us were made for it. We needed it before sin destroyed us. How much more now that sin wreaks havoc? There is no David without Jonathan. There is no who God made you to be without that friend. Can you find it in marriage? Yeah. Can you find it in a sibling? Yeah. Can you find it outside of it? Yes. We need this. We have to have this. How do we get it? Well, first off, we have to see where we primarily have it first. And everything I'm about to say does not make void the fact that we need a human friend. Oh, but we have to see this greater friend as well. We have to see Jesus We have to see Jesus as the friend who knows us at the soul level. The scripture says in Hebrews, he came from heaven to earth. Why? So that he might know us. In John, it says that he knew what was in the heart of men. That Jesus came to earth so that he might know you, not just as a God who created you, but as a human who has experienced all that you have experienced. And Christ wants to know you at the soul level level. For some of us, our relationship with God has stopped at the interest level. Yeah, I'm interested in that. I like church. I like this stuff. That's not what he wants. He wants to know you at the soul level. We have to see Jesus as the friend who stays The Romans teaches us that nothing can separate us from his love. That no amount of sin, no amount of running in the opposite direction can take a true child of God and separate us from him. He is the friend that stays. How much is he willing to stay? Even when it costs him everything. We have to see Jesus as the friend who was willing to sacrifice. Willing to sacrifice his spot in heaven. Jesus takes it a step further Jonathan, Jonathan gave his robe, his sword, his belt, his armor to David. And he said, you will become equal like me. 
Jesus takes it a step further. He doesn't just give him his robe. He takes on our rags. He doesn't just say, you can wear my righteousness. He says, you can wear my righteousness and I'll wear your sin. He's the friend who was willing to sacrifice. And what does a friend do? He advocates. He advocates for us. See, Saul gave an order, kill David. Jonathan becomes David's advocate and says, no, 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 he's innocent. Don't cast him out. And David brings, or Jonathan brings him back in. On the greater story, there's a death sentence, not over David, but over you and I. Jonathan appealed to the king's justice. And the just thing to do was to stay the execution because David was innocent. But guess what? We're not. We're not innocent. And when we get kicked out of the palace, we should stay out of the palace because no one can go to the father and say, no, 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 no. He's innocent. She's innocent. Let her back in. We're not innocent. So Jesus, because a gospel friend advocates, advocates, Jesus goes to his father as Jonathan went to his father, and he doesn't say, they're innocent, bring them back in. He says, I know they're guilty, but I'll take their guilt. Saul says, he shall not be slain. And that's the just thing to do. But Jesus knows someone has to be slain. So he says, I'll be slain for them. That's a friend. That's a friend. And then what happens at the end? You and I are out of the presence. We're out of the palace, exactly like David was. But Jesus goes out into the wilderness and he says, come on back in and be in the palace again. And wear my robe. Wear my righteousness. After David meets Jonathan, his life is filled with community. They call it the mighty men or the guys in the cave, whatever it might be. Now we call it the church. And after you meet Jesus, your life and the, the story of it is supposed to be defined by the people that come around you. And the isolation, the lack is supposed to disappear and it's supposed to be filled with this church. But it only happens if you step into it, friend. And the church, through the Holy Spirit, is supposed to become what? Your encourager. And the church and the Holy Spirit are supposed to look at you when you're in the wilderness and to say, we're not going to let your sin define you, your mistakes, your faults. I'm going to remind you who you are in Christ. So come back in and give back up. That is gospel friendship.
when you're supposed to have it, and you're supposed to be it, you have to see it in Christ first. This is not an intellectual sermon. It's a long one. But it's not just intellect. It's not. If you're a guy, get to the men's event. If you're a girl, get to the women's groups. If you're a high school student, a middle school student, step in. You might be one friend away from transitioning into that next season. Let's pray. We hope you were inspired, challenged, and learned something new. For more information about our church, visit our website at redemptioncitychurch.tv. Have a great week.